We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody. Browns versus Colts is looming. We're getting close. The most important day of practice is Friday. We have all the information from that practice as far as who is out there for both teams, what the early declarations are on the injury report, the key updates on Deshaun Watson and Joel Batonio. Then I will take you through the rest of the mailbag questions we didn't get to because I want to make sure we honor those. And then lastly, it's myself and Andrew Spade going through our weekend preview where we pick the lines on the college slate, the games that matter, and then go through the entire NFL slate as well. It's a jam-packed OBR film breakdown. Let's get going right now. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Saturday edition of the podcast. This is the really the most important day to give you updates around uh, injury reports, things of that nature. Because you know when the when the injuries start to trickle out Wednesday, you get the idea of who might play. But the Friday practice is really the most important practice. So we got that situation squared away. Wanted to make sure to hold off on recording until we specifically figured out what this uh, injury situation would look like. And from from what you gather, we talked about it yesterday's show you really do feel good about where Deshaun Watson is, right? So I know we talked yesterday a little bit about if he was going to do a day of practice and then take Friday off and he would be out for the weekend. And that's just kind of where the safest spot landed. But when you have him show up, a, a again, he was a full participant in practice. And from what you gather, he was throwing the ball with much more zip. You get the idea, taking all the first team reps, that he is going to give it a go this weekend. Now, there could have been a significant corner turned, right, from Wednesday not practicing to Friday full-on practicing. It seems as though they were trying to really put the full workload onto him and see how he feels, how the shoulder responds to it. I know he was wearing some of that tape on the shoulder to help blood flow and different things of that nature. It's it's designed to alleviate some of the issues. Again, we didn't hear from Deshaun specifically, but it sounds like it went fine. He's not going to do any of the pregame warm-up stuff to test it and go. It feels like they'll make that decision probably by tomorrow night, just really depending on how the shoulder heals up and, and responds to these two days of, uh, of two days of practice because this is what Stefanski said, um, what will it take to see him start? He said, I want to see how he responds over the next 48 hours based on that full workload he just got. But Kevin said he looked good today. Then uh, a little coy here. So someone questioned, is it trending in the direction to play? Is that fair to say? And Kevin responded with, 
those are your words, right? So, um, and then the, again, the question was asked, would it be similar to the Baltimore game where you work him out before? He said, we will not work him out. We just want to see how it responds. His body responds again, full workload, all of that stuff. So they said that he did respond well, again, making progress to Thursday's limited designation, getting out there and throwing a little bit on the field. So again, all really, really good steps in the right direction. PJ Walker, uh, Stefanski confirmed remains the backup. So we'll see, you know, it's not, nothing's guaranteed here. It couldn't, it could take a turn in a different direction over the coming days, but you do feel like from the, the vibe of early this week that he's not playing this week and potentially maybe even out the Seattle game, come back Arizona to like, Oh, okay. They really weren't off on this when it feels better. It feels better. And apparently it's starting to feel much better or they were playing it slow and knew that they could get to this point. But again, I would think Watson would need every single practice rep he can to get back in the flow of things. But we know what we know. He fully practiced. He is questionable for the game and will probably have an answer by Saturday night, is my guess. The Joel Batonio designation is gone. He was a full practice Friday, so he is good to go. The guys who are questionable on the Brown side, Harrison Bryant with the hip, Kareem Hunt with the thigh, and then Greg Newsom hamstring. Uh, those are all your questionable designations with Watson. Uh, Sione Takitaki with the hamstring is out. And then we found out that now Anthony Walker is out of concussion protocol, so you will have Anthony Walker to play the mic. You'll probably have... Um, uh, Tony Fields step on and play Sam and three linebacker base sets and then be able to may, maybe roll into to playing a little bit of Mike if they need him to probably keep JOK home at will. So that's the injury report from the Brown side. On the other side of things with the Colts, we've learned uh, a couple guys took veteran days off to force Buckner and Ryan Kelly, a little bit older players, very much more established vets for them. Kylan Granson, the uh, talented tight end, is out for this one. And then Braden Smith, the uh, tackle, one of the tackles for uh, the Colts, one of their effective tackles, is going to be out for this one as well. And then Alec Pierce, young wide receiver out of Cincinnati, is questionable. So two big misses there, obviously. Uh, tack that on to, to Grover Stewart, and the Colts are playing behind the eight ball a little bit here, and especially protecting their quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who does not handle pressure all too well. Those are a big point, right? So Stefanski spent some time with the media uh, talking about things other than Watson, he was asked if Kareem Hunt will play. He said, we listed him as questionable. We'll see he practiced, but again, similar, just want to see how he comes out of practice in response to that. He spoke a little bit on um, uh, Bryant and Newsom, where he said, yeah, again, both look good in practice. You give yourself 48 hours to see how they are, but it sounds like he feels pretty good about that. Um, and then lastly, he talked about uh, the challenge of playing on the road, the whole crowd's against you. I know our Browns crowd travels well. We expect them to travel well. So we see, uh, plan to see a lot of orange in that crowd, but you love going into those road environments. It's great as a competitor to be in those environments, right? You really have to have a good road operation. We're refining that. And those are things uh, that, you know, present the biggest challenge, right? Getting the line of scrimmage, being great in the huddle, get the snap count, all that stuff. So uh, it's a dome in Indy, and it can get really loud. I know the vibes are a little down since they lost Anthony Richardson, but nonetheless, that is a raucous place to play. Zach Moss, Jonathan Taylor on the field together is a big topic. I know Jason Tarver, the linebackers coach, talked about that a little bit, what the expectation was there. They did it a couple times last week, and Kevin noted uh, they're really, really good players. Uh, sound run scheme. Moss is uh, a very uh, very much a developing player with breakaway speed. He's provided breakaway runs, so they got to be sound in the run fits. Those two are going to present the most serious offensive weapons challenge to the Browns this week and then obviously Michael Pittman out at wide receiver so that's really it from the brief exposure we got at practice to uh, some guys to talk to the media 
And then um, the video of Watson throwing, which, again, you're encouraged about. He looked much better. I still would not be stunned. I'm just kind of trying to lay the groundwork. I think it's trending toward playing probably 75-25, but I would not be stunned if some development happened over the next 24-48 where he doesn't play. So, again, it's not a lock. I want to put it that way. All right, shifting over now to questions that we didn't get a chance to answer um, from this past week, a lot of great participation. There was a question here about, Jacoby Brissett, if, if the Watson thing lingered longer, now this is probably out a little bit now since we know that Watson's timetable is a bit more cleared up than the mystery that it was earlier this week. If they were to ship him in, you know, bring him in, I think that they would owe him about $2 million from the contract. I think I think the commanders have paid him six. So that would always be a route if that was a more long-term injury. So they, would owe, they wouldn't have to pay him a ton to bring him in. But again, it's what are you giving up? Are you swapping something? Are you moving something down the line? I, I mean, if it's cheap and this Watson thing was a long-term injury, you could consider that. But I don't think we're there now with where the timeline is for everything. A lot of questions about Dewan Jones and Jack Conklin um, potentially being the partners on the offensive line at tackle next year. Uh, if Dewan continues to get better, what do they do with Conklin next year? Well, Conklin's money's guaranteed. He's going to be here. So it does become a bit of a logjam. If the status quo continues, I will be very interested if Conklin comes back healthy to see if either he or Jedrick Wills are trade assets. We'll leave it at that because, you know, obviously Jed is on a one-year, his fifth-year option. Conklin's on the last year of his deal. Some There's just not enough good offensive linemen around the NFL. And, again, it wouldn't surprise me if they keep Conklin and kind of, like, have him in a reserve role or something. I'm not sure. That money's already locked in. So, I, again, I'm not sure. You can never have enough tackle depth as we're seeing year over year here with the Browns. We've seen them start James Hudson. We've seen them start a broad variety of different players uh, at tackle when when uh, when they've dealt with injuries, right? Jed's been down with an ankle before. So, I mean, again, it's good. It's a good thing to have those, those, uh, those bodies that can step in and do it. But if you have an asset and you can get something that improves your team, you do kind of pay attention to that. Uh, and then there was kind of the question about, you know, is Callahan, we talk a lot about Jed not being up to Callahan's standard, whatever, whatever. But there was a good question here posed about could Callahan, um, is Callahan actually just getting the most out of him, right? And and we're kind of having the inverse of that thought process where, you know, they're they're not getting enough out of him, but actually Callahan is. And this is sort of the peak of the talent, right, is what we're seeing. And there actually isn't much more to get out of him. I don't know, guys. I really, I really don't. I know that some of the minor things, non-talent related, probably drive Callahan nuts. The thing that is irksome for me more than anything else is that he has not improved from where he was early in his NFL career. And he's actually, from a pass block efficiency metric standpoint, gotten worse over the course of his four years now in the NFL. So that's why your uh, overall concern is you haven't seen any progression. I know like Andrew Thomas and the, and the Giants started out rough, then got better. You want to see that. This is going in the wrong direction over the course of the, the four years here. So I don't know how to answer that question. I have to believe Callahan gets a lot out of a, a broad variety of, of lineman types. Uh, I, I think that he's gotten a lot out of Jed, but but again, the backwards slide here leads me to believe it's a it's a Jed thing more than anyone else. We'll see. The, their decision down the road at some point before the fifth year will tell us kind of all we need to know about that. Although he did play much better against the 49ers, we'll hope to see him replicate that on Sunday. Next question, uh, why would a team's OC choose not to use motion? Because I, I highlighted motion the other day. If it unfolds the defense for the quarterback, why would they not do it on every play? Now, there's a difference between pre-snap motion and snap motion at the snap. Motion at the snap is a little different because it can create chaos with the picture of what the defense is doing, right? So quarterbacks, you you hear a lot of old school quarterbacks say, 
They didn't want motion because it could, could muddy up the picture of what the defense was doing. I think we have adapted quarterback thought process to see the advantages that come with motion. Some offenses don't like it because either they're not competent enough to know how to use it in an actually effective way, or they just don't believe in the data that says it actually helps you out as much as it does. I don't have the perfect answer for it. If I was running an offense in the NFL, as scary as that sounds, I would be trying to include this as often as possible, especially on third and predictable pass or at times in the game in which you're down where defenses know you're throwing it. You need to create some miscommun- uh, miscommunication as best you can, especially good in the run game when the quarterback doesn't have to think about the post-snap picture because in the run game you can get guys bumping out of gaps and losing run fit integrity. I just think it's such a nice part of what you can do to complement some of the things you're trying to accomplish in the run game. And then when you use it for pass game, I think it really has to be a part of creating mismatches, a part of creating confusion as to who's responsible for who in a certain specific portion of the field you're attacking. There are, there are a lot of bad teams that do motion. Do not get that twisted. It's not for everybody, right? And you can have really bad players who are really good at running motion and thus create still a really bad offense because they're not very good players. Any player in the NFL can go in motion if you tell them to, teach them to, right? But I think that the teams that are using it the most are the ones that I think create the largest portions of separation and understand how to use it to create mismatches and advantages uh, quite often. So I hope to see that uptick for the Browns as they get the quarterback consistency that they need in Deshaun and uh, I'd say in the next month here of, uh, of of actually putting together a string of games. So uh, next question, thoughts on DPJ stats are way down this year, six for 75 through five games. I think, listen, week one was an absolute nasty weather game. We all know that then by, you know, the, the, the fourth game, we, we all saw what happened in Pittsburgh too, where that game just stands out like a sore thumb in terms of a weirdness factor. The fourth game is the Ravens. You're starting DTR. The fifth game is, you know, PJ Walker starting. And I, I just would say this. It's it's not good enough across the board. I'm writing on why I think Elijah Moore is being used incorrectly. But I do think you need to see some consistency from the quarterback. And I think Donovan is largely a backside route runner. Those backside digs. Some of those those throws that come off play action where he's working two to three cuts within a route take time to develop. The offensive line has not held up the way you need to on longer developing routes. I think we can all agree on that. We talked about Joel Batonio struggling because of the knee he was dealing with. Teller hasn't been as consistent as you need, and we all know Jed is giving up way too high a volume of pressures. So the downfield stuff, the way we would like to think it could be used more, has not actually been a functional part of their offense, and we'll hope that that can get better over the coming uh, you know, few weeks here heading into the important stretch of the schedule. The next question is about the scheme being hybrid, right? He said, I feel like Stefanski's chasing Kubiak's scheme or shotgun spread zone schemes. He might always be a step behind because those are offenses that are either in the vogue in the past or a more very present thing. But if he uses his asset of exposure to many schemes – and develops a new hybrid of schemes, he can be he can have an advantage. Is that possible scheme-wise? In theory, yes. I think that the reason I'm hesitant about that with Kevin and adapting a, a sort of unique hybrid between some of the gun spread stuff and, and really his West Coast wide zone um, structure is that he doesn't seem to want to think outside the box from the coaches he puts around him. When that starts to to change, alter, 
and become uh, guys that you can see from a coaching tree are going to provide some of those things for him, then I'll start to say, yeah, I can see how they could formulate that. For now, they're pretty rigid in what they believe. Now, they are expanding. The, the, I, coming out of the bye, I told you I would give them credit if they did. I liked some more of the diversity and the gun run stuff. I do think that they can see where the direction is going, but they still have to get better at applying it. So in theory, the answer is yes. We need to see, I think, still then bring in some more uh, different thinking coaches around him to to provide some of the challenging of his thought process and provide some of the schemes that they have used or seen used, whether in their coaching background or in a, in a look around the league perspective sort of thing. So let's hope, put it that way, right? Um, I think the next thing here is a question that is a pretty fun question. It's actually a thought-provoking one. I had posted the 2012 uh, visit from the the Redskins at the time when Kirk Cousins took over for RG3 in that rookie season. They came into Cleveland and they were running the early Kyle Shanahan stuff from the pistol where they were running that wide zone and then the bootleg off of it. You know, that was when they had the decade later all-star staff with McVay and LaFleur and all of those guys, McDaniel, they were all together there. That was before the Cleveland tenure for those guys. And it was just jarring to watch how out of place they were forcing second level Browns defenders to be off of this bootleg stuff. And this is a good question. It said, um, you know, it said obviously the highlights of cousins first game there in the NFL showed how awful the Browns covered play action boots compared to present day where teams do a great job of taking it away. What are the present day concepts uh, that we're seeing to give teams fits that in five to 10 years might become null and void? Well, everything ebbs and flows in football. We all know that it's not like Kyle Shanahan, invented wide zone and the pistol stuff off of wide zone but I do think the thing that stands out to me if I were to pick one that I do think goes away because teams just do a much better job with it or rule changes mess with it it's probably RPOs which are still very popular I think you know there's teams that run them a lot more than others you know obviously Philly you're going to see a lot of them Sunday with the with the Colts but again to me if I'm just to pick one larger piece of the scheme pie that that makes up a lot of NFL thought process right now I think RPOs tend to fade away because like I said either the rules make them harder to pull off or defenses just become much more adaptable in defending them Um, I I think that's going to be a part of it and I also would say in the more short term some of the stuff that that Miami is doing with motion and that start uh, tight and sprint wide motion I think you're going to find teams getting a better feel for how to defend that in the next two to three years will become less popular. Because if you're looking around the league right now and you watch, say, a Dolphins game or pick a random Dolphins game, you're going to see teams running similar motion types that really are effective motion types for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Not many teams have that player at all. So I don't think you're going to see uh, in the next five years, and maybe even a shorter term, some of those exotic wide motions the way we're seeing people try to copy the Dolphins because who wouldn't want to copy the Dolphins offense right now it's a pretty effective unit all right that's all the questions if I missed your question I'm sorry let me know I have some that I want to save for another time that were asked uh, but my goal is to get to as many of those as I possibly can so hopefully I did if you didn't get your question answered you want to DM me about it I will make sure to give you a chance to get on the next podcast and really just the goal is not to you know the goal is to create thought-provoking stuff here to learn something right like Obviously, once uh, once we get a little more consistent with this and some plans we have down the line, we want to give shout-outs to people who come up with questions and all of that stuff. But 
uh, for now, I think hopefully the goal is to just ask a question you want to learn something about, and we provide that answer for you. So hopefully that's been the case this week and this season in a larger scale with the mailbag. Um, I'm open to any feedback on that you guys want to provide. As always, it's a community-driven thing, and uh, always enjoy getting some feedback. You guys have been great with the feedback. Continue to send that over whenever you can, whenever you want, and whenever you just want to talk about a podcast you really like and seeing it improve or just continue to stay on the path it's on. We're going to switch over now. Word from our sponsor, myself, Andrew Spade. Weekend full of football game picks for you. A lot of fun discussion. It is not a great gambling weekend uh, from the NFL level in terms of like getting some real winners that we feel comfortable with, but we picked the best we could. College side, fun games, obviously driven by the noon kick, Ohio State, Penn State. Maybe you've already seen that game when you're listening to this pod, um, but boy, a lot, a lot riding on that football game. Should be a fascinating one to watch, and we talk about that one for a little bit. So we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and concerts near you you can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had so why would you go game time they have flash deals last minute tickets they're easy to find buy tickets for every kind of event in your area specifically those cleveland browns you get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. 
All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, coming out of break, we are doing our college and NFL picks. Andrew, it is a gigantic weekend in the state of Ohio. It's funny, I saw somebody post this that uh, Ohio State has the best quarterback from Pennsylvania in the class they got and Kyle McCord and Penn State has the highest rated Ohio quarterback in the modern era from a recruiting perspective starting for them so this is a you know it's an interesting game I'm a big fan of Drew um, obviously you know pull for Ohio State but I just have a lot of like if there's a program that I just kind of like outside of Ohio State in the Big Ten I've always liked Penn State sort of pulled for them maybe I'm, I'm probably on an island with that one but I'm very interested in this game and I think Penn State is as well-equipped to just beat Ohio State as they have been in a long time. Not, nothing fluky uh, or anything about that. And I think it's – I'm actually surprised Ohio State's getting four and a half. Are you surprised by that line? That, that, that it's so high? Yeah, I thought it would be a little lower, to be honest. I know there's the home field element here, yeah. obviously, but yeah. I thought it'd be more no, two and a half. I, I agree. I, I think the look-ahead line was like uh, six, I believe I saw. So, wow. um, you know, preseason they were expecting Ohio State, I think, to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, bookies in general so I think that's part of it is that there's still a little bit of that residual stuff Ohio State is such a public team too that you can't go too low on them because you know if they go down to three everybody's jumping on Ohio State like it's free it's you know it turns into a free money thing and that's where the books really get killed but you you kind of skipped right past the headline here which is that you had one of the all-time weeks in college football oh, last week well welcome in everybody yeah. I screwed up yeah let, let's recap last week before we do that Ohio State game uh, last week I was eight one and one on college picks. So if you were Unreal. an a- absolute savage and wanted to pick college games, and you trusted me, I mean maybe you start trusting me because of the the goofiness of the forty ers game prediction. But eight one and one is pretty good. I should bet my own picks, Andrew. Moral of the story: could have made some money. So good week. Yeah, I, I mean if you can keep hitting like that, you're gonna you know you can leave uh, breaking film down a, a lo- alone and start becoming a full time tout. I needed it because I was seven and fourteen coming into the week. You also did very well, six three and one. Uh, to to cross compare with my eight one and one, you actually still lead. You are eighteen twelve and one on college picks we've done on this show. I'm fifteen fifteen and one. So I did get back into the game a little bit. That obviously helped me. But you you kicked my butt on the NFL side. You went ten and four. I went six and eight. And I had a little lead on the NFL side that has now evaporated. So twenty three nineteen for you and twenty three and nineteen for me. And essentially, you have a three game college lead. That's where we're at. So. Uh, neck and neck here for the battle of what they call the battle of the mid with these these gambling predictions i was gonna say jake i think we're pretty good at this considering that we do not handicap these games we do not do any breakdowns often don't know that people are injured and uh still the picks seem pretty good so uh i'm having fun doing it and i'm i'm looking forward to to jumping in again it's just a good way to talk about the games coming too, and sort of remind yourself uh, where these are at so okay ohio state penn state's a noon kickoff Mm -hmm. couldn't hate it more i would just love for these to always be night games these really big ones but i know fox has the obligation and all of that i get it but boy yeah the idea that michigan michigan state is a night game and ohio state penn state isn't it feels like at this point college football every big game should be at night right 
Couldn't agree more. You get everybody a little sauced up. Everybody mm. gets to have those parties, the little get togethers. It's fun. So, and that's been a big thing about me of like Ohio state having more good games on the schedule. These super conferences is like some of the best stuff you do is get with friends for big college or big NFL games. And you would like to have fewer of those opportunities. It's right. kind of a strange thing. You know, yeah. I'd rather watch Ohio state play Purdue more often. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, I want to dial sure. in on that. Yeah, really. Um, well, let's, let's go through who you're taking uh, four and a half. I, I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Penn State in the points. Where are you going? Uh I will uh lay the four and a half with Ohio State. Um okay. just just because I have a little bit of a don't trust James Franklin in big games thing. Very fair. He deserves that little uh lack of confidence. Next mm -hmm. up, Washington State Oregon. It's a 3:30 kick and uh Oregon you know, probably hunting some revenge. Washington State got their butts kicked by Arizona. Mm -hmm. I think Arizona's sneaky good. We obviously saw what they were able to do at USC, but nonetheless, a surprise to see Washington State get handed in that way. I, I'm going to take the Oregon revenge train here and uh, take Oregon laying 20 at home. Yeah, I think that's a good angle here. I think um, they're going to have some motivation, and I think Washington State maybe is in that place now where they're feeling – what seemed like it was going to be a pretty good season kind of slip away from them uh, as mm -hmm. they continue to struggle. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just assume that that continues. All right. So both of us take Oregon. We got Alabama, Tennessee, mm -hmm. Alabama's laying nine and a half at home. I don't trust Alabama for anything. Getting nine and a half for Tennessee is, is a really good thing for me. So I'm taking Tennessee in the points. Yeah. Tennessee's not like an actual good team, but no. they can score points and nine and a half. I don't know what Alabama has figured out on offense that they should be able to cover that kind of a, a spread. Yeah, they don't deserve that respect. They could still make it work. Um, Minnesota, Iowa, which is is monumental in a way. Mm -hmm. I don't have that up in front of me. Maybe you could pull that up. I put it in our betting channel on Slack about the historical nature of this number. The over underline is so low. Last week, uh, I think that it was Wisconsin and Iowa, and Iowa was getting like nine points, mm -hmm. and I was like. I, that doesn't feel right. It ends up 15 to nine is the total score. Iowa wins. That defense is just as aggressive uh, and, and talented and productive as last year's. I mean, I don't know if it was just the same, but they're playing really good ball. Mm -hmm. So the number here is, is uh, Iowa laying three and a half at home in a, in a 31 and a half number, which is so low, but they seem to be hitting the under on this. Yeah. If I remember correctly, That's right. on it these started really at 32 numbers. and a half. Yeah, so it's, it's I, moved down a point. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm going to take Iowa in the under. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at this thread that you posted, and it's it's, it's true. It is uh, 31 and a half is the current record. So if it can get down to 31, it would be a new record for an all-time under uh, low. Crazy. I will take uh, – I'm with you on the under, but because I'm on the under, I want the points. So I'll take Minnesota and the points. Okay, so let me make sure I update that in our little uh, – Handy dandy. So you said you're taking you're taking Minnesota in the points yeah, and you're taking like the over. Got it. Yeah, yep. there you go. There it is. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, which you said is the evening game. Michigan State is getting 24 points at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just came out in the last hour that apparently Michigan is in some NCAA infraction trouble for sending live scouts to watch Michigan State games for the opportunity to, I guess, steal some signs on site or something. I don't know. It's all a little murky, but not not a great six months from a NCAA compliance side for Michigan here. Uh, I, I still think Michigan covers this game. I think Michigan state's and not in a very good position uh, yeah. with the Mel Tucker thing and all of that. And I think Michigan is uh, seemingly on a mission this year and a very good football team. So 
I feel comfortable, even though that number's really steep for a Big Ten game. I think they win it pretty comfortably, something like thirty-seven to seven, something. Along yeah, those I lines. think it would be hard to take the points here unless you felt like Michigan State had kind of turned a corner last week, but they, of course, coughed up that late lead to Rutgers, and I think it was that's who it was, and so. Um, yeah, it's things are things are rough in in uh, Lansing, East Lansing right now, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of folks there that are just excited to get to basketball season. But um, it, it does feel like this Michigan thing is headed in that direction where Harbaugh like leaves Bolts. that place where it's just like on fire, like mm-hmm. they've got like multiple investigations ongoing, and he just he ends up you know as the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers or something. <laughs> I I'm, it's very likely we'll put it that way I don't have the odds on that but it feels like yeah it's just too many weird things are happening there um all right Duke and Florida State I, is Riley Leonard playing I've seen some updates that he might play we probably won't know until game time on that one I'm not comfortable with Riley Leonard playing anyway I mean his ankle was really rough after that uh North Carolina game and he, he, Riley without mobility does not evoke a ton of confidence for me I think it's a Florida State 17-point win. They are laying 14-and-a-half at home, so I'm going to take Florida State. I think if Leonard was healthy, you'd you'd like the, the points mm-hmm. here. Obviously, the spread wouldn't be as high if Leonard was healthy, but uh, that, that hook on the 14-and-a-half is always concerning. But, yeah, I'll, I'll lay the points. I still don't know. As we look at our last game, Utah at USC, laying seven. I don't know if this the, the rising kid's going to play, who's mm-hmm. the only relatively decent quarterback and again i'm seeing from a day ago there's still uncertainty lingering i also think usc is just in a really weird spot <laughs> i mean they are they're not playing well in general i'm i'm tempted very very tempted to take utah and getting the seven points but i actually think i'm going to go ahead and go with usc i will go on the other side uh, we, we're not not opposing each other enough here but uh yeah I, I like utah to like just kind of ruin you know there's a there's a meme going around of you know how utah is going to just inevitably ruin uh, the Pac-12 chance of getting anybody in the playoff, which feels yeah. true. So uh, this is, this is you know, one place where that can happen. Right on. Okay, that wraps up the college side. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty good games. Not the best slate ever, but pretty good. Um, yeah. NFL side, we already took the Raiders. Uh, if you listen to Thursday's podcast, we took, sorry, not Raiders, Jags, and whoever the Jags are playing. Is it really that we, consequential? The Saints. Yeah, there I think we is. both had the Jags to, to win that one. And obviously when you're listening to this, you know that what happened. It tells you we're recording this a little out in front of things. All right, switching over to the NFL side where, again, both of us are 23-19. and 19, Big week. Pride's on the line. Raiders-Bears. A battle of backup quarterbacks in this one is what it looks like. I have to say, if I have to pick one, Tyson, I think it's Badgent. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. His dad, an all-world arm wrestler. Just going to lean that direction over uh, aging Brian Hoyer. Uh, I think I'm going to feel no. You know what? I'm going to let you pick one first, Andrew. I keep I keep doing this to myself. I, I keep making the pick first and losing some insight I could get from you. I am going to go with the Raiders laying the points, and it's only because I just I still am not on board with this Bears coaching staff. I just continue mm-hmm. to fade them as you know, kind of competent. I, I just don't think they know what they're doing, man. And I hate to be so blunt about it, but it really is as simple as that. And the Raiders are not good but they're not like terrible fair enough all right so we're going to split that one next game is let me make sure i do this correctly in our system i can't i can't even tie i I give up some of the autofill stuff drives me nuts all right colts browns two and a half this is the first time we've discussed the the browns laying two and a half 
in Indianapolis. All right, it's interesting. Which, uh, how do you feel about it? Where, where are you leaning on this one? Uh, I have kind of two thoughts. You know, one is what I've expressed through the week, which is I don't think that PJ Walker is going to look as bad. I'm, a, I'm still assuming he's playing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, we're, you know, if we're picking the the Browns minus two and a half, that that is assuming that Walker is playing. That line would move if Watson was cleared to start. Um, so, so that's number one. Number two, um, uh, I, I think. I do think Shane Steichen is going to have some stuff on offense that is going to give Jim Schwartz a little bit of trouble. It's just a feeling that I have about their run game is is very diverse. And uh, I do think that the Browns might struggle at times just to kind of like, you know, adjust, I guess is, is what I would say. So I think this really comes down to how much the Browns can score. Because I don't think they're going to hold the Colts to like seven points. The, the Colts are going to get a few. So okay. Uh, so based on that, I think because it's less than a field goal, I'm comfortable laying the points. Uh, if it got out beyond a field goal without the quarterback situation changing, then I would switch my pick. But for now, I'll go minus two and a half Browns. I'm going to take the Browns. I've seen the Minshew numbers against pressure, and they are not good. So I'm just going to lean in that direction. Like you said, can't I got to be careful with that about saying you can't get a worse version of Walker. You could always get worse, but I just like you have a hunch that that's not going to happen. So I will go with the Browns as well. All right. Next up, we have Bills Patriots. This is my survivor pool pick of the week. Feel pretty good about the Bills winning this got game. The Patriots, huh? Yeah, for sure. I, I uh, think this is when the Patriots, once they lose this game, should start really considering a trade deadline, tear it down. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know why they're kidding themselves anymore. It's an eight and a half line the Patriots are getting at home. And I feel like, again, the Bills did this with the Giants last week, so it's a little tough. But I feel like they win by 10. I feel relatively confident they can win 30 to 20 or 27-17, something like that. So I'm going to go with the Bills. It's so hard to accept that the Patriots are just like one of the worst teams in football. You know, like it's just it, it goes against, you know, everything that you expect from a football season it's it's been 25 years of them being right in the conversation for the division. they're like some teams that you just will never get yeah. used to seeing them pick early in the draft like the exactly. ravens right steelers yeah patriots right the patriots that's what i was gonna say so patriots right there with the ravens and the steelers in terms of like are we sure they're dead yeah i mean they're one in five and pretty bad on both sides of the ball there's usually a pretty good defense but the defense has even been pretty rough yeah, I was just so, checking that out. They're 14th by DVOA, so you know, middle of the pack, and the offense is so bad that it's putting the defense in tough spots in the games, which then kind of snowballs game after game after game. So, and the Bills, you know, despite struggling against the Giants, I think you know, I I picked the Giants last week. I thought that was a little bit predictable, just because you know the Brian Dayball thing, and and you know, I think Wing Martindale can sometimes draw up a game plan. Yeah, predictable for you. <laughs> um, I I think this is one where I I think the Bills do just kind of put it on the Patriots because I don't. What's the What's the argument for the Patriots keeping it close? It would be essentially that the defense plays so well and forces a few turnovers that they're they're able to have some short fields and find success. But their offense is so bad that even a short field doesn't help them out. I think, and no. so. And I'm looking at the injury report here. The list of Patriots limited or did not practice is long. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, no, I agreed. And I, uh, you know, I think the Matthew Judon injury hurts them a ton. He's kind of, Mm -hmm. was kind of their pulse guy, you know? So yeah, I I will lay the points with the bills here, even though it feels crazy laying eight and a half in Foxborough. 
It is an uncomfortable feeling, but test your boundaries. Adapt mm. or die. There you go. Giants commanders, two and a half of the Giants at home that they are getting. And the injury report for this one, I don't see anything significant. No quarterbacks on here. I mean, Daniel Jones <laughs> is uh, – oh, he's a quarterback. That's right. Yep. So Kind of. They also lost another lineman that's been uh, – they didn't lose him. Shane Lemieux is – they're yeah. just – they're dealing with some, some really – it's crazy. Big issues. They're, yeah. they're like, I'm looking at Lemieux, Neil, Pert, Schmitz, and Andrew Thomas all did not practice. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's hard to, you know, two and a half. I feel like this is a game the commanders win by a field goal uh, mm-hmm. is the way I'm going to take it. So um, I'll take I'll take that one. Yeah. Very hard to predict because the commanders have been incredibly hard to predict all season. Uh, and, and the Giants have been pretty predictably bad but then they kept closer than everybody thought against the bills so i, I don't i i mean the offensive line stuff against the commander's front seems kind of insurmountable right like it's sure just going to be one of those games where it's the, the giants offense is non-existent because they just can't function i and that's mm-hmm. where that's where it feels like it's going so i'll lay the points too um but you know man i don't love it i'll say that no nothing about the commanders and the falcons are in the same boat because we're talking yeah. falcons bucks next Right. I don't. The, there's a grouping of these teams. Yeah. And the, like I said, the Bucks are in that grouping too. Of mm-hmm. like, logically, I should take those guys, but boy, do I not feel good about it. I will say one of the shortest injury reports in the entire NFL coming out of this game. Falcons have literally one player. Mm-hmm. It's an important one. Calais Campbell did not practice. They have one, and then there are two for the Bucks. Anthony Nelson, but he was a full participant, and Vita Vea was limited. That's it. That's wild. So, two healthy teams. It's in Tampa Bay. They're laying two and a half. I guess it's, do you believe that the Baker Mayfield game last week where he missed multiple touchdown throws, just, I mean, open players. So that was a blip on the radar or that is, um, you know, a sign of some, some regression back to the mean for Mayfield. That's what this comes down to. So I actually think I trust Tampa more. Mm-hmm. I don't love Ritter against this Tampa defense is playing yeah, really on the well road. on the road. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I'm comfortable laying the two and a half here just because I think the Falcons defense you know, is, uh, man, I, I, I thought they were kind of making some moves to where the, they could kind of keep the Falcons in games, but that didn't seem to be happening. I'll just say this, like, this is more general betting philosophy stuff, but like mm-hmm. these lines where they're under a field goal, it's, it's such a good sign from the, from the book that they don't know which side to be on, you yep. know? And so yep. like, we're picking all of these games as a way to kind of preview the weekend, but I wouldn't touch this game, the Commanders Giants game, really even the Browns Colts game with a ten foot no. pole. Like if no. you had actual money, I wouldn't do it. Lions Ravens is probably the most interesting non Browns game for sure. out there. There's sure. one more I'd key in on, but Lions Ravens. So Lions traveling to Baltimore. You get uh, on the Baltimore side. It looks like David Montgomery is trending toward not playing, but they're going to get back Jameer Gibbs. So that's obviously a, a good step to having some running back healthy. Because last week when, when Montgomery went down with the ribs, they didn't really have much of an answer at all. On the Ravens side, Clowney didn't practice. Now that could be a you know a rest day scenario. But they're getting healthier. Marcus Williams didn't practice either. So that's the other big name. Mm-hmm. O, Owe was limited. And that's yeah, sort they're of getting, it. They're, they're coming they're back. Healthy. Yeah, they're coming they are. back. Ravens are laying three at home. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, this smells like a Ravens cover to me where the lions come back down to earth a little bit, but who are you taking? I'll take the lions um, right. based solely on the fact that uh, I think that the Ravens defense will 
uh, struggle with the Lions' passing attack. All right. Jared Goff on the road. I know. I know. I I made a big deal out of that stat last week, and then he went to Tampa and took care of business. Now it's in Baltimore. Probably not the best thing to go with with Goff here, but um, this is really more about picking with my heart, wanting the Ravens to drop a Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, Next is uh, Rams-Steelers. This is the Jerome Bettis Bowl. If you uh, remember that, where he started. Anyway, Rams three and three, Steelers three and two, Pittsburgh getting healthier. It looks like Deontay Johnson is going to be back for them, and I don't see any other non-practice. It looks like Pat Fryermuth is going to be back for them as well, so they're in a good spot. On the Rams side, Kyron Williams is probably not playing, so that matters because he's been their best back. Otherwise, most players are practicing there that matter, and uh, the Rams are laying three. At home, how do you mm-hmm. feel about that one? Four oh five kick, by the way. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go anywhere near this game. Either. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's another one that's impossible to predict. I think that you know, do you like the Rams' offensive line ability to hold up against the Steelers' pass rush? I don't. I don't really. And Stafford under pressure. You know, they don't have really a running game right now. All of their running backs are injured. Um, I I think I'll probably take the Steelers in the points, assuming that. Maybe there's a little bit of a post bye week bump for this offense. All right, I'm going to take the Rams just to be a little different. And again, it's a coin flip. So yeah, it really I mean, is. I mean, this is this is a. a if these spreads are any indication, there should be a week of great games because all of these are close. I'm most interested in this Chargers Chiefs game because if the Chargers fall to two and four, I really think it starts to get uncomfortable for Staley in a serious way. And obviously, this is going to be a heavy tilt toward the Chiefs. They're laying five and a half at home. Yeah. I can't believe injury- this line. I can't either. believe this line. I can't either, man. Um, guys who didn't practice coming off a short week here for the Chargers, uh, doesn't look like anybody that matters. Looks like most guys are limited, you know, pushing. Like Bosa didn't practice. He's limited. Rashawn Slater was lim- as a full participant. So all the names that matter seem to be in line there. The Chiefs side. A whole bunch of people listed on the injury report who were full participants. The only one yeah. is Justin Watson. So both teams are healthy. I mean, I, I can't quite take the Chiefs fast enough in this one. It feels like crazy, crazy line. I the, the Chargers are not very good. I do not understand this line at all. You know, yeah. by DVOA, the Chargers defense is twenty sixth. Right. Yep. So so like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those maybe they know more than we do, but I, right. I mean, I really I mean yeah, that would be the argument is is that you know Herbert is able to throw it a little bit. Of, I think the Chiefs' defense has been good, man. They've been and, really good, Andrew. Not, not, I mean, they've been stifling at yeah, times. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, I ninth by DVOA. I know I uh, only talking about DVOA, but like I said, I like it for gambling purposes, especially. So you've got a a, a Chiefs team that is top ten in both units. That's usually a pretty good team. Yeah, they're 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 getting their way back. They get, they get back with Cole Hardman in that trade. So I don't really know how you can take the Chargers and feel good about it, other than you just want to be contrarian, I guess. And they I mean it's also they're coming off of a short week and a, and a right. really emotional loss at home. So tough to see them going into Kansas City. What I mean, what time is that? It's a four twenty five kick and, and really yeah, playing it's a road well. game too. Like what's yeah. I don't I I don't see the angle for the Chargers. I really don't. No, I can't say I do either. Next is Seahawks Cardinals. Seahawks are laying eight at home. Oof. Yeah. It's a tricky number. Big number. Tricky, tricky number for a Seahawks offense that's really not playing that well. Nope. So injury report. Limited in practice on the Cardinals side. Buda Baker, 
Kyler's a couple weeks away, it sounds like. Might be mm-hmm. back for the Browns game. Uh, nobody else. I mean, again, they don't have so many. There's not very many notable names anyway, but right. um, nothing else stands out there. On the Seahawks side, backup running back Zach Charbonnet didn't practice. Evan Brown at center. Tyler Lockett was limited, but DK didn't practice. So that's something to monitor mm-hmm. is, uh, is Metcalf playing in this one. We'll see where that ends up ultimately going. But I part of me thinks this is like a, a Seahawks touchdown win, 27-20, yeah. something like that, 24-17, where yeah, I think I, they don't get the – I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think with the amount of injuries, the, the you know, Seahawks wide receivers, like, man, I don't, it's just hard to trust this offense to cover a touchdown right now. I, I think that's – really is. I think that's steep. I know that they have a pretty good home field advantage, but – yeah, I'll join you. I think I'll take the eight. Okay. All right. We got a lot of same picks this week. I like it. We ride together or we sink underwater together. Mm. Speaking of which. Broncos and Packers. Here we are. So this is this is a late kick or an early kick. It could be late. off on my this is a late one. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Broncos keep getting those prime time well, slots there, you know, with the West Coast side. That's mountain so. mountain time. Yeah, we, we still shouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt. Make them make them kick it at ten. Um <laughs> That's their punishment for what yeah. they've put us through. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, look, let me see here. Packers are they're dealing with Devondre Campbell, the linebacker, didn't practice. Nothing significant there, unless there's something underlying. We don't think a guy's going to go, but it doesn't seem anything alarming. Maybe getting Aaron Jones back this week too. Sounds like yeah, they'll they'll get some more opportunity for him. Broncos mm-hmm. side, not really much. Greg Dolchich, the tight end, didn't participate. Doesn't seem like he's on a path to play, but that's it. So. Uh, Packers Broncos it is a one point Broncos number I mean I don't know I don't like either of these teams I think I'm just going to take the Broncos and I really have no great vibe other than it just kind of feels like the Broncos would just randomly win a game like just a game like this it just yeah feels like they would win so I'm again, not going to ever bet this game but I'll pick the Broncos here for the sake of making a show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the Packers for the same reason, basically. Right. Um, I, I think they're, you know, in a position coming off their bye week where they're trying to get that offense right. And I think they'll have a few things schemed up for the Broncos, which have a, you know, they, their defense has been worse in the league. So this is, I, I view this as kind of a get right game for that Packers offense. They need it. They're, they're frustrated over there. The Packers faithful, not used to dealing with inconsistent offenses and quarterbacks that aren't quite as uh, hall of fame worthy. Right. They've been, that's right. It's kind of fun watching from afar as they struggle with processing, not having Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, the NFL's marquee game of the week, dolphins at Eagles, literal must watch TV on mm-hmm. this one. And it's uh let's see here. So we have from the dolphin side, it looks like Zayvon Howard, Alec Engold, who's a really important part of their, run blocking their fullback did not practice Kendall lamb what up Kendall hope you're well man did not practice uh let's see here Jalen Phillips was a full participant the otherwise Connor Williams didn't practice I couldn't name three starters outside of Armstead on that offensive line so (laughs) I'm just giving you some names that tells you how good McDaniel's been at doing this just to sort of hide that stuff on the Eagles side uh Lane Johnson seems to be the big looming Mm -hmm. non-participant so he didn't practice Reed Blankenship, also one of their important secondary players, didn't practice. Bradley Roby didn't practice. And then Devontae Smith didn't practice. Mm-hmm. Eagles coming off their first loss of the season. A tough one that they pretty much gave away against the Jets. They're back home. Crazy environment. Can't wait to see the Dolphins play another 
really legitimate defense to test this, you know, locomotive that they have. The Eagles are laying two and a half. I want I want your pick first on this one. I'm laying the points with the Eagles. Um, I've been on the Dolphins against bad teams all season long because they it's what happened with the Panthers. They got down what were they down ten or fourteen early? I think they're down fourteen. And then they just covered that point that spread with ease. They were two touchdown favorites. They spotted them, so they basically became twenty eight point favorites <laughs> in all in all you know and covered easily. So uh, yeah, I mean. That's them against bad teams and bad defenses. That's not the Eagles. And I think the Eagles know defensively that they have to have a really special game against the Dolphins and will kind of show up in that regard. I think the other side, the Dolphins defense has struggled. If Lane Johnson misses, it becomes easier, you know, for the Dolphins defense a little bit. But I think their ability to run the ball and kind of stick with it, that feels like the key to this whole thing to me. Like if the Eagles can just kind of get a lead, play keep away, sit on the ball, the Dolphins are going to struggle. Right on. I'm just going to go on the flip side and say, great. You know, some of the Eagles struggles offensively are going to show up in this Mm -hmm. one in a magnified way. And I think the Dolphins, even when they don't play well offensively, can still muster 24, 27 points. So I'm going to take them to cover a 27, 21 like final. So, and you love the, the Mike McDaniel outfits, the, you know, the, the uh, joggers he's wearing on the sidelines, the whole style, the fact that he's five foot seven, something like that. Like that's he's the full package, right? Well, he's, yeah, I think that what you learn about McDaniel, you, you see him at first and this is, you know, I know he's in Cleveland. The funny thing is tracking like the looks of, of McDaniel over the the, the five year windows Mm -hmm. of like when he's with the Texans, he's got this like Fu Manchu type of goatee going on. Mm -hmm. He's with, you know, he had that like emo phase when he was a Broncos ball boy. Like mm-hmm. he's got some photos out there. I mean, as far as a guy who seems to have been through the ringer and come out on the other side for sure and not being like of a football DNA, I, I'm not sure, Andrew, that I respect a coach more than him. And I can't say that I have uh, when he was hired that I ever thought I would get there because I didn't know him that well, yeah. but they've done a great job. The NFL and the Dolphins of opening up who he is. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just uh some he just seems like a really cool and not like he you think that like i think there was some time last year where he was joking around at practice and someone said it was like the rich dad let the son be in charge mm-hmm. for a couple days and like you can get that vibe but when you hear his story and hear how genuine he seems like the players the love key. him that's the word the players genuine. love him yep. yeah and like i don't know i'm pulling for that guy and i have a good yeah. friend from college who's a huge dolphins fan so i'm always kind of pulling for the dolphins and mcdaniel makes it better and I don't know. I really, I really just like the story. And yeah, man, the dude is like all in on the South Beach flair to his coaching <laughs> outfits. And I, I, you're right. I had told you guys in the Slack when he went to shake hands with Frank Reich, who's obviously a big former strapping quarterback from back in the day. Like I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that is yeah. a startling difference yes. in human uh, makeup there. So mm-hmm. uh, it, anyway, really, really cool story though. And I, I'm pulling for him. And yeah, um, you know, I, I think so. it gives you know it really cuts through all the the BS that we hear often about you know, that you have to be a certain way to succeed in the NFL. You know, Mm -hmm. we hear that even in NFL media, right? That, that, that there's a certain way to be, there's a certain attitude, you know, it's, it's like this thing where everybody wants to sound like everybody else, whether it's the former players or the current players or the coaches, there's like this, you know, uh, stock script that everybody sticks to. And then there comes along a guy. Now, if he was bad, it would be different, right? But he's good. Sure. So, 
him being genuine doesn't bother anybody or it doesn't seem to anyway, but like the way he's talking to the officials during, you know, the game and just, you know, he's definitely being sarcastic, but also being genuine. I, you know, I can relate to that. I'll say that much. So, um, it, it gives me hope that you could be a different type of person and still be successful in the NFL. I, I like that. I think that the NFL needs more types of personalities. You know, football guys are kind of boring. They they definitely are boring. I can attest. Um, well said. Well said. I, again, everything, the way the Dolphins have built it, kind of yeah. building his image, his run yep. game flair to having this unique speed. They're a fun team. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly is 49ers at Vikings Monday Night Football. We don't have any injuries reported on that yet because everything's a day behind. But we do know it is looking like Debo and McCaffrey will miss that game. Obviously, the Vikings are down Justin Jefferson for the foreseeable future uncertain on any other injuries in that one but i think the line is a touchdown right now i feel pretty confident in the 49ers bouncing back even without those two and finding a way to win that game by like nine points so maybe Mm -hmm. you don't like it but i think the 49ers yeah yeah, i think clear clear bounce back spot for them and i think brock purdy's going to be motivated you know he's he's taken a lot of grief over the past week uh shanahan will be motivated and they don't need a full compliment to put numbers up against minnesota it's just the facts and i think Minnesota, meanwhile, is teetering on understanding that the full-scale rebuild needs to happen. You know, you kind of mentioned that with earlier with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. People have got to be calling about Daniil Hunter. I mean, I'm terrified of Daniil Hunter ending up in, in Baltimore. Yeah, that would suck. There are a lot of bigger names, either in the secondary or up front, that could help mm-hmm. Baltimore. We'll see how sort of hungry they are to make a move like that. Yeah. So, obviously, we're going to hit on the trade deadline in the coming few weeks because the Browns, if they have a couple nice games here in a row, could be looking at being buyers at that moment too. So my, yeah, my sense is that next week it's really going to like the rumors are really going to heat up because I think things are still percolating a little bit, but you're right. If the Browns beat the Colts, go to four and two, mm-hmm. you got to think they want to like make one more move cherry on top situation. We'll keep our eye on it. Rumors are going to be swirling. This is the end of your Saturday podcast. We've got all the games picked. Everything's recorded. Wish us luck. Maybe even take a couple of the games that we picked, that Minnesota-Iowa game. Have some fun with that wild 31-and-a-half over-under number and then make your Sunday more interesting by staying away from the games we told you to stay away from. Almost it feels like Andrew them. and I are very confident in Bill's Patriots. Mm-hmm. We felt very confident in uh, sort of – let me see here. We were very confident. Cardinal Seahawks. Not very many of them. Yeah, Cardinal Chiefs. Seahawks. Chiefs, really. We love the Chiefs. Chiefs. That's yeah. right. And They're the 49ers. So 49ers, Chiefs, Seahawks yeah. – uh, sorry, Cardinals. Even that one I'm not. that one. 100% sure. On. All right. We'll take the Bills. We'll take the Bills as our third one. All right. You got it, guys. Thanks for stopping by on Saturday. Enjoy. If you haven't watched the games yet, enjoy. If you're listening to this later on, I hope you enjoyed them. And we didn't do too horribly on these picks. But thanks to Andrew for his time. Thanks to you guys for your time. Join the OBR. $1 your first month. We'll be the pod. We're out of here, guys. Have a great Saturday. Go Browns. Go Browns.